Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Happy New Year. And with me today, Jay Harvey. Jay, thanks for coming alongside. It is a pleasure to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me. And at the dawn of this new year, we're so excited to announce that Jay Harvey, who's been a guest on this broadcast before, has now signed up to be one of our family of co-hosts. Jay, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. And uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity and I'm glad to be a part of the team, really. This is a great program. Well, we're so excited to have you on the team. And this week, as we have the dawn of a new year, as we're beginning a new season here at CBH Viewpoint, we want to talk about you, Jay, a little bit. Well, actually about you and your journey and about how you started out in life and how you find yourself here today talking on this broadcast about life. And we hope that all of you will stay tuned because what Jay has to share, I promise you, will inspire. Jay Harvey, I know that you're really a smart guy, but let me just state the obvious. This is radio. No one can see you. <laughs> now, your voice sounds so young and vibrant, and, and you are. Yes. But uh, let me introduce you to our radio audience Great. by just asking you some questions that are small, kind of perfunctory. So, for instance, how tall are you? I am right at six foot. Right at six. And how old would you say you are today? I am on the verge of the glorious... 50. I am 49 years old. Oh, just on the other side from yes. where I sit, yes. of that, one, that wonderful page turn, <laughs> and want you to know that I've been past 50 and 60, and it's still okay. Good. That's good to know. But I'm, I'm shocked to hear that you're even 49. I would have said 39 if a yes. day. All right. Yes. And you're married. Yes, I am. My, my wife name? and three children. My wife, Shelly, and uh, three children, two of whom are of the adult age and one who is still ebbing that way who's 11, and uh, we have a very blessed family, and um, they're all doing well. I know the Harveys, all of them, and they are great folk, and uh, you can be proud of your family, Jay. Thank you. And, of course, working here with us at Viewpoint is uh, not a full-time post uh, in this uh, role, and you have another life uh, beyond the studio. What do you do professionally? I am a pastor, and I've been pastoring for about uh, going on five years now at a church very near here in the town of Pendleton, which is just outside Indianapolis. Um, And we're here in central Indiana, and Pendleton's kind of a suburb. And uh, you know what, Jay, as you're talking about being a pastor, let me just reassure our audience. Whoa, when you say pastor, I want our listeners not to tune us out, because uh, Jay is not the kind of pastor who may try and push you against a wall with some doctrine. No, this is a guy who's really relational, and his story is so spot on. Jay, you have so much that you bring into the church's life. You have so much that you bring into every room into which you walk. And that's what we want to talk about today, because I think God has uniquely wired you as he has each of us for a kind of destiny, and you're finding your groove. You're finding your destiny, but it was not always so. No, it was not. So tell me a little bit about Jay Harvey, the young kid. Well, you know, I can't really complain too much about my upbringing, and and I know that not everyone can say that. But I had two loving parents. I am an only child, and I was pretty much um, a friend to everybody, everybody that I grew up with, uh, even all through school. It was very easy for me to make friends. I have a good sense of humor, as you know, a quick wit, just uh, somebody that you know likes to be around other people, and other people like to be a- around me. However, during those formative years, as you know, I didn't have Christ in my life. I knew about God, but I didn't really know Jesus Christ, and I didn't know what it was all about. I just kind of saw a picture of the church, and much like other people whom you said, don't tune us out because you hear the word pastor. If I'd have heard the word pastor in those years, 
I would have probably tuned them out. So I was a pretty normal kid, fairly athletic, but mostly just like to make people laugh, like to be friends with people, and like to be the life of the party. Well, I mean, let's just pause right there. A very important part of who Jay Harvey is, he loves being with people, and you find energy in a crowd. Absolutely. And so I'm hearing you say that even as a, as a young boy and growing into your teenage years and so on, you kind of got a little juice when other people would pay attention, they'd laugh, they'd notice what you said, you'd make them smile, and it drew some energy right inside. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think, Jim, that that's something very important that people need to understand is that, you know, God did wire me the way that I am, and I have a heart for people. And and that was evident early on, even though I didn't really have that uh, formative relationship with Christ. I didn't have that intimacy with Christ and he wasn't my Lord. He wasn't my Savior. I didn't know him yet, although I knew of him, and he was always on the periphery, and I always had people praying for me. But I thought I could just kind of do this the way that I wanted to. And on your terms. On my terms, and help people. And, and still, I was very distant from God at that point, but got some fulfillment out of encouraging others and being in others' lives. But then, you know, we grow up a little bit and things start to change and we begin to understand that that's not enough. And when we come back, Jay, I want to talk a little bit more about that season of your life. As you became a young adult, as you became a young man, even got married, just how your life was unfolding then, which still was very different from how it's unfolding now. Stay with us. We're talking today on Viewpoint with Jay Harvey, who has just joined our team, the newest member of our family of co-hosts, and Jay is talking to us a little bit about his life journey. And Jay, as you were describing, you were the life of the party growing up as a kid, as a teenager. You loved to make people laugh. You had heard about God, but were not in a direct relationship with Him. You found a lot of life and energy in the social club to which you belonged. And by that, I mean not a formal structure, but just you were the guy that everybody wanted to have in the room because you made people laugh and you were a star. (laughs) And that's kind of where I met you way back when, because you were not then a teenager, you were a young man, you were married, but it was clear from the first impression, Jay, when I look back in my own journey about Jay Harvey, you were a guy who walked in a room and it just lit up. And so how did that work for you in those years when you were not surrendered into a divine destiny? You were not conscious of kind of a providential appointment or, or some kind of leading of God in your life, but you were making your way in life and doing it successfully. Tell me about that. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's a, that's a great transition because I was making my way in life, as I think so many people do, but just underneath the surface, they also realize that, that part of what they're doing and part of who they are is somewhat of a front. It, it is something that they get some fulfillment out of, something that they feel like they have to live up to. And, and there's just this missing piece that we all kind of, and, and I now know, thankfully, that is Christ. And that is the God who created me wants a primary relationship with me so that I can even be more than I think I can be. And, and it's more about His way. You know, getting fulfillment out of encouraging people, making people laugh, being successful. These are all good things. But as I look back, I also know that there's a lot of things that were going on in my life that not too many people knew about, where I was really addicted to alcohol and become an alcoholic at the age of around 20 or 21, because I'd began drinking just as a lot of other teenagers do, who are the life of the party, who are popular, who give in to peer pressure, and then 
you know, put pressure on other people as well. It just kind of seemed like the thing to do. And so at the age of 14, a drink here, a drink there with older high school friends. And then you wake up one day and you're 20 and 21 and you have a problem. Not everybody does, but I certainly did. Why do you think you had a problem? Help, help us understand that. Well, I, first of all, I, I think that in the way that God wires us, we, we do gravitate to the things that make us feel a certain way. Uh, and for the first part of my journey in drinking, I, it made me feel good. It made me funnier. It made me more engaging. Less inhibited. Less inhibited. And it might seem odd or contradictory to somebody listening because I got fulfillment out of being with people. I got fulfillment out of making people laugh even when I was sober. But at the same time, there was something going the opposite way in my life. The older I got, the the more I knew I needed something more. There was a void in my heart. And, you know, we hear this all the time in evangelistic circles, like there is a void in your heart if you don't know Christ. And sometimes that gets said too much, and we, we begin to tune that out. That's the part we can't tune out. There is a space that God has placed in us that only He can fill, and that's what was missing in my life. And so the more I tried to be who I wanted to be, the more I needed the alcohol to sustain that for people, and then you become addicted to it. And my personality and the way that I'm wired, I have a very addictive personality. And so alcohol became the thing that I self-medicated with. And as you know, not because you drink, because I know that you don't, but alcohol is very destructive. And even today, Jim, I'd say one out of every three people that I counsel in the church still struggles with alcohol. It's uh, socially acceptable in a way that allows people to fall into a deep trap. And Jay, as you look back on those days, did you understand you had a problem, or did that just kind of be a gradual awareness? Or you wake up one day and you thought, whoa, I'm reaching for this and I shouldn't be. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me that. I, I can tell you, for a long amount of time, you are in denial. You don't believe you really have a problem, or you, you probably believe, as I did, that you can stop, or there will come a moment when you will decide that this part of your life is over. That never happens. But one day, I refer to what I had as a moment of clarity. And this is what I share with people all the time when I tell my testimony or if I'm, I'm ministering to people who may suffer from any other type of addiction, uh, which I often do. I tell them that you need to ask God for a moment of clarity. I didn't ask for it, but it came to me, and God showed me what was going on. He, he gave me a, a chance to step back. I will, I'll never forget this moment. I was in the car. I was driving down the road. I had about a three-hour drive coming from a, a conference where I worked, and it just became clear to me that God was opening up kind of the picture of my life as I drove down the road. And I had a moment of clarity where he said, this is what's going on. This is who you are. This is the problem. This is who I am. And the two words that I will always say that leapt up in my spirit at that point, even when I didn't really know what Jesus was all about, was were two words, and they were, trust me. So at that moment, Jim, I did know I had a problem, and I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do about it, but I couldn't get those two words out of my head, trust me. It was a supernatural intervention. Absolutely it really was. was. And at that season of your life, you were succeeding professionally. Yes. And at home, I mean, you're very high-functioning. High-functioning meaning that you were able, you had the capacity 
to manage your addiction without compromising the externals of your life. Yes, I, I did. But you know what? I was really pushing that envelope a few <laughs> <Because> times. Because <laughs> eventually there, right. there's a place where you can't do that anymore. And everybody reaches that point. And uh, some people call that rock bottom. Some people call that just you know the end of the road, whatever you want to call it. But you know, I had been close to that a couple of times. And, and I would also share to our listeners that when you're on the outside and you're watching somebody else go through this, whatever you think their rock bottom might be, might not be for them. What our job is, what our vocation, what our passion is, those of us who, who loved Christ and, and love Jesus and, and, want, and want to help others is, is just to be there for them and point them to Jesus every chance we get and to let them know that they're not going to be left alone in this process. And that was another part of the world into which you were drawn. Yes, and when was. we come back... Let's talk about that Jesus guy, because that clearly has been the intersection that changed the course and brought you here today. Stay with us. The gentle healer came into our town today. He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay. But more than the blindness... He took their sins away. The gentle healer came into our town today. The gentle healer came into our town today. He spoke one word that was all he had to say. And the one who had died just rose up straight away. The gentle healer came into our town today. Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man with dirty feet and rough but gentle hands. But the words he says are hard to understand And yet he seems like just an ordinary man The gentle healer, he left our town today I just looked around and found he'd gone some folks from town have followed him, they say That the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way We're introducing Jay Harvey to our Viewpoint audience today. He is our newest co-host, the newest member of our family of co-hosts, and Jay, we're so proud to have you alongside and uh, I've known Jay for a while and so thrilled to think that we might be able to work side by side right here, right now. And as we're introducing you, Jay, we've been talking a little bit about your own life story. A guy who has been naturally blessed with all kinds of talent and someone who was very socially wired, loved to be in the mix with other people, somebody who knew how to make people laugh. And we talk about Jay, the comedian. I'm not just talking about Jay, the guy who sits at the dinner table and tells jokes, but a stand-up. I mean, you are <laughs> a stand-up right. comedian, and I've seen you stand up on a stage and hold people in the palm of your hand as you lead them from one hilarious moment to another. I mean, that's 
a kind of native gift set that you've polished and developed over time, a man who knew how to sell things. You worked professionally mm -hmm. in the secular marketplace, selling and managing in very successful ways, married with children, but also addicted to alcohol, someone whose life was moving off the rails, who wasn't really sure what's going to happen next. And when we left just before break, you had brought us to a point where God intervened and gave you a moment of clarity. You weren't sure what to make of it, but you knew something has to change, and the Lord impressed upon you two words, trust me. Mm -hmm. Tell us about mm -hmm. that Jesus that you have now discovered was the author of those words, how that came into your life and how it's affected you. Well, and, and this is the greatest part of the story, which is at the same time that all these things were happening, a friend of my wife and I's, who we grew up with in the community, had invited us to church. Uh, somewhere along this line, even as I still struggled with alcohol, we had been invited to church, your church. And we had been coming, and we had been coming for a couple of years, and I had been hearing the gospel. I'd been hearing about Jesus. I'd been hearing about redemption and reconciliation and forgiveness. And it was having an effect. As I sat and listened to that, as I wrestled with those things and then had my moment of clarity, I just knew that a decision had to be made. And I think the decision was, do I want to turn around and follow Jesus, not knowing what that would be, not having control of that, which was something that I always wanted to have, which was control, or would I just continue down the road and ignore that moment of clarity? And I chose to come visit you. And I wanted to proclaim that I needed Jesus. And for everyone listening, I think you know of what I say, because in our deepest recesses of our heart, there is something powerful that happens when we first realize that we cannot do this on our own. We need help. And to publicly say, or to a pastor, or to a minister, or to a friend that you know follows Christ, to come out and verbally say, I need help, I want to follow Jesus because I believe he is the one speaking to my heart, animating me and saying, come and follow me. When you finally do that, something changes, something changes in you. And that's the point that I had gotten to. Everywhere I looked during this period of my life, even though I was still drinking, it was as if God was saying, I know the struggles you have, I still love you, but you have to make a decision. And that speaks to God's mercy so much now as I look back and so merciful, so patient. And I came and visited you, Jim, and I, and I think you would probably remember that I gave my heart to Christ that day, not even really fully understanding where it would lead me. But then I also put this caveat on it in your office. I said, Jim, I'm an alcoholic, and I don't want to be someone who fails God, and I don't know that I can stop. And you smiled and said, Jay, trust him one day at a time. And if you remember in the car, the two words that I heard were, trust me. And then now you're, you're telling me back that, that God says, trust me and trust him every day of your life. And it was about three days after that, Jim, that, that I realized, one, that I had been baptized, you baptized me, and that God had truly delivered me from alcoholism. And I had no desire to drink ever again and that moment sealed for me that there was probably even something more 
grand afoot that was coming in my life because uh, this is a powerful God. This is a God who loves. This is a God who can beat this and deliver this and, and change my life completely. Then you betcha I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Jay, just you're telling the story. Mm. I'm moved again. Yeah. That said, you, I think, made some important points that I don't want anyone to miss. The power of a friend inviting you to church can change a life. And sometimes we underestimate that, don't we? Yes, we do. You know, if you're listening today and someone's invited you to go to a church where Jesus is the subject, take the dare. Just see what happens. You don't have to commit to anything except showing up and listening. And boy, that can lead you into some really fine places. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you you articulated so powerfully just that moment of decision, mm-hmm. that speaking something out loud creates a reality and a power in your own journey, and it's a spiritual power. And, you know, the Scripture says those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord shall be saved, and that's your story. It is. And then thirdly, that upon that, that declaration, that commitment... A supernatural power overcame you to do what you could not have done by yourself, mm. which was to walk away from an addiction to alcohol. And yes. I'm hearing you say that's what happened. That's what happened. And, and you know what? For everybody listening, that wasn't last week. Um, that was 17 <laughs> years ago. And, and the Lord's been faithful to that, <laughs> yes. as you have been too. Yes. Absolutely. And so having that experience, then your life is set on a different course. You didn't immediately just walk out of your job or you know, everything had just changed suddenly, but you began... A, sensing God stirring in you, calling you to new things that you could never have dreamed of before. Uh, exactly right, and, and loved the process. Uh, during that time, I engaged in reading God's Word and, and, and getting connected to the church and, and just meeting some people, which was never an issue for me, as you know, talking about my past, but, but this was new. I was in a position where I didn't know a lot about God or the Bible or what it was like to follow Jesus, but what I found was there were a lot of other people just like me. And maybe they didn't wrestle with alcohol, but they wrestled with something else. Maybe somebody still followed Jesus, but still does wrestle with alcohol or an addiction. And, and God does things for some people. And I, and I look back now, Jim, and I look at my life, and I, I understand, I think, more completely now why he, he took that away from me. And, and one, it really speaks to his power, but my weakness. And, and that is, that could never be a crutch for me again in the position that he was going to put me in so many years later as pastor. And I've, I've learned to be so empathetic uh, with others who still struggle, but love Jesus. And if that's you, just continue to love him and see where that leads. The Lord doesn't waste anything. Absolutely. And when it's surrendered into his hands, he weaves it together in a completely new whole fabric that is something that is strong and beautiful and so right. And that's your story. And as you now have moved into the ministry, you have gone through a process where you lead a great congregation. And as I said, I've been a witness myself to your giftedness there. It's the Lord's hands on you, Jay. Is there a part of the scripture? Is there some place that you run to? Now that you've kind of given us a a thumbnail of your life journey, what is your anchor? Because I think many of us, as we walk with Christ, we have certain ideas and certain truths that he has invested in his word that become especially ours. What's yours? Yes, and and I love God's word, and I began to read it on the encouragement of others in the church and and, uh, read straight through several times. But as I continue to read in John's gospel, and my heart is to be Jesus-like and to represent him, 
I always get to chapter 13 where he washes the disciples' feet. And that's a story that, that sometimes people recoil from. They, they're not sure what that all means and if we should be doing that or not. But I read something much deeper into it, into the character of Jesus and, and who he really was. And as I begin to draw out that meaning and try to apply it to my life, it's become very, very important to me, this scripture passage. And it says in uh, John 13, 3, that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. See, he knew who he was, and he also knew that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. And so not only did he decide to wash the disciples' feet to model for them how to serve and, and how to truly be a friend and a brother, but it also says in verse 4, he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured the water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, I'm not Jesus, but I can tell you that if I was in a position of power like that and was going to serve somebody, I might have even had somebody go fetch me the water. <laughs> On the silver tray. Can right. you just bring it can over here? Can you fetch the towel? Can you get me prepared to serve you? But as I read these words, Jim, Jesus did it all, and that is... That is who he is. He has done it all. He went to the cross. He did it all for us, and that is the true representation of the gospel. He loves completely, and I just so, so um, am passionate about that, and that blesses me so much. That's who you want to be. Absolutely right. And you know, that passage is so powerful because Jesus' freedom to love so completely was born in his complete security of self-awareness. He, he knew exactly who he was. And when you know who you are, when you have that moment of clarity, you're suddenly liberated to love and to do and to serve in ways you could never have done before when you're so worried about, who am I really? J. Harvey, we're so proud to have you as part of our team today. Thanks for sharing your story. Oh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share it, and I hope it blesses many. I'm certain that it has, and for all of you who've joined us today on Viewpoint Listening, we want to invite you to pause for a moment and pray with us. Just take a deep breath and know that the same God that has intervened in Jay's life loves and knows you too and is waiting for you. Pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you have breathed each of us into being. And this world is a very broken and desperate place and we are so often confused or misled. We sometimes mix things up, but you never do. And you have a sense of clarity and truth and grace that we all need. I pray that you'll speak into all of our lives as you have spoken into Jay's with a moment of clarity and help us to hear that same gracious word, trust me. Lord, we want to trust you. And for all who are joining us in prayer, I ask that before one more week passes, you will come close by and that they will know God is walking with them. And we pray, Lord, that as this new year unfolds, we'll all find our way into your care, surrendered into your leadership and into your lordship. We thank you for hearing our prayer. We do approach you in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. And if you'd like to know more about how you might make this year, 2016, unlike any other, for Jesus' sake, if you'd like to know more about how your life can turn around, maybe you're struggling with an addiction or some other towering mountain that you don't know how to climb, you give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone, and we are so anxious to talk with you. You can also check us out online, CBH, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there, send us an email. We'll be glad to reply. Or at the last, 
Just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, go online, or use the post, please, let us hear from you this week. Jay, once more, we're so excited to have you on board. We'll see you next week right here at Viewpoint. And we hope all of you will join us also as we open up a new series about new clothes. As we embrace the dawn of a new year, you can also have a new wardrobe. You can be dressed differently. You can have a fresh new start. Join us next week. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.